Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Today's scripture is from Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, so VJ, uh, you know, he started part one, so now he's doing part one at Connections, so we're a week behind, and then I do part two here, and then I run there and do part two next week, and he's doing part three. So kind of this back and forth thing, and someone came up to me, and they're like, how do you feel about being second? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, when you guys were deciding, it's like, upper room got first, and you guys are behind. I'm like, no, I feel like upper room gets the practice run, and we get the polished version. So anyway, so not that you're a practice run, not that you're second best, but hey, it's great to be with you, uh, and incredibly excited, as Tony said, just to be partnering with our, our older uh, sibling, and it's just been so great. We even uh, you know, brought our staff here, and they were just you know, so excited to ask a church that's seven years ahead of us uh, just so many questions, and they just uh, have so many more for the next time we get together. So it's just been uh, such a great friendship, partnership, camaraderie between uh, two sibling churches, and so it's, uh, it's an honor to be here today. Uh, so you started the series, uh, part one of Rooted, and VJ just basically outlined this question or this, this dilemma that we all seem to be in. It's this kind of this game we are all playing in life called hide and seek, where we're all just trying to find something more in life. In fact, he kind of summarized our, our quest that we're all kind of on in life as more and next. Two words, more and next, more and next, more and next. And he said, everyone's looking for more and everyone's looking for what's next. And he's like, I don't know if anyone's realized this, but it's like, you think we would have found it by now. I mean, we've cured so many things. We've created so many things technologically. I mean, we have cameras and things that are smaller than a ballpoint pen. Like, how is it that we haven't figured out how to solve the more and next dilemma? And so VJ just kind of summarized it and said, I thought it was brilliant. He just said, hey, maybe it's because that hole inside of us is actually looking for something far more eternal that will end the question of more and next, and it would just satisfy us forever. And if we had found it by now, we would know, but we haven't because the answer is God. And he actually said, and I, I love this, he actually had some, some amazing quotes, which were in your study guides, and you went over in your small groups, but basically every single one of us on this quest, and we're looking through all different things of what's more, what's next, what's more, what's next, is actually looking for God. And then he kind of brought that first part to, to a conclusion and said, and actually what the scriptures tell us is that not only are we looking for God, but that God is looking for us that God is looking for us. And so for some of you, that was like, that was really exciting. You're like, yes, amen, that's so beautiful, such a great picture. And for others of you, you were like, I don't know. You know, you kind of you have that skeptic heart. You don't have to raise your hand if you're kind of that skeptic heart, but you're just like, ah, I don't know, it sounds nice. You know, God's knocking on the door of my heart and he's, he's there and he's, he wants to, you know, have a conversation with me. And, you know, the first thing that kind of comes to your mind is this question of, if God wants to have a relationship with me, if God is knocking at the door, if he's trying to engage with me, then why doesn't he, and here's the question, why doesn't he speak to me? Why doesn't he speak to me? If God is so loving and he wants to build a relationship with me, then why doesn't he speak to me? Because the reality is, is, is all of us have been in relationships and we know that conversation is so incredibly important to going deeper and getting rooted. And if this whole series is about getting rooted in our relationship with Jesus, then how in the world are we supposed to grow a relationship with someone who won't talk to us? 
And so that's why the question of why doesn't God speak to me is so big. It's so big in so many people's lives. There's so many uh, people who are kind of on a journey, exploring faith, trying to figure out who is God, who is Jesus. And in fact, if we're honest, I think a lot of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, maybe you even got baptized in this church and you come every week and you're so excited, you would even say, why doesn't God speak to me? I'm not sure, like, you know, you, you go to your small group and people are like, oh, I just felt like God was saying this to me and I heard God's voice. And you're just like, really? And you, you kind of almost want to pause and be like, are you sure? Have you been checked out? Are you okay? Because I mean, you just, you just kind of pause and just like, like you're hearing voices? Like you should, you should have that checked out because like it's just kind of strange to you. And, and yet if you kind of pause, you're like, but I mean, if God could speak to me, I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to have that question. It's like, if I could speak to God, if there was a God, you know, I, I actually maybe consider myself an atheist, but if God could speak to me, I would have some questions for him. And there's some things I'd want to know about. And in fact, I could actually maybe even use some advice. I mean, if he's all-knowing and all-seeing, I mean, I could, you know, use some advice and some help, and I may even ask him some questions about the lottery and, you know, just what numbers to pick. Like, I would just, there's, there's a lot of things that you maybe want to ask him, or maybe you'd have even something more personal, like, you know, God, why, if you're so loving and so great and you're actually seeking a relationship with me, did you allow that to happen to my parents? Or why did you allow that to happen to my younger sister? Why do you, and you would have all these different stories and they wouldn't just, these questions, and they wouldn't just be questions that, that are up here, but they're down in the core of your being that you just wrestle with, that you just wish, if God could speak to me, if he really wanted to engage with me, then I would want to engage with him too. Because I have questions and I have wrestlings and I would love to have some answers. And so today we're going to answer this, this very not so simple question, which is how do you hear God speak? How do you hear God speak? How do you hear God speak? If you're, if you're just exploring the faith, this is a fantastic week to come and, and, and be journeying with us. And if you've been a Christian for decades, this is a great week to kind of get a refresher on what does it mean to have uh, God's voice in your life and to be listening to it. Now, uh, before we get into that question, this is the, the thing I, I kind of want to highlight, that there's a principle that's at work in your life and my life all the time, and it's, it's so simple that when I, once I explain it, you'll be like, that is so true, but I want to give you a little story to help illustrate it. So one of the things we do at Connection, and I think Upper Room does it as well, is after Sunday on Tuesday, we have a staff meeting. And uh, I, I have a few part-time staff, so they all come in on Tuesday. And we just kind of, you know, evaluate what happened on Sunday. And so it'll kind of be like, so how'd everything go? And it's like, oh, you know, we didn't have any greeters or, you know, like someone left a huge mess or we didn't have anything to clean this up. Or, you know, the band was singing one song, but we had this, you know, the wrong words on the screen and that was awkward or, you know. And, and then they kind of get to the point that's kind of touchy for me. It's like, okay, so how was the message? Was it helpful? Was it understanding? And I get the same feedback every time. It's like, you talk too fast. And so I'm, I'm trying. So we, for a season, no joke, we had someone who walk in the back and it was like slow down slow down they just do that the whole time there's just this person and I didn't even slow down <laughs> but anyways so and I'm, I'm still working on that but anyways the the amazing thing is that sometimes and this is this is so depressing for me but sometimes we'll have this conversation of like so so how was how was the message and it'll be an instance just kind of like this it'll be like well I thought the message on marriage was really helpful. I thought it was really great I thought you know if you're married that was incredibly helpful and then something like this will be like but I was just thinking, if you're single in that room, you'd kind of feel alienated. And I just, I just wish, Mark, and I mean, it was a good message, and you know, it was engaging, but I just wish you'd address the single people. It'd be like a comment like that. And then I'll kind of pause, and I'm like, so wait, you mean that part in the middle of the message when I paused, and I said, now, 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 if you're single here, and then I took that 10-minute tangent and detour, and I addressed the single people, and every minute in those 10 minutes, I said single, 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 because I was addressing the single people, and I, I thought I painted a brilliant picture, and I had that word picture that I used in that analogy that took me forever to find to explain how God values single people. I'm like, I'm like that didn't do it? And then they, and they're like, you said that? I'm like, I mean, if you want to break a preacher's ego, do that, okay? Like, just go up to them and be like, I love that you said this. Like, I didn't even preach on that today, right? It's just like, just like, that will crush our spirit. And so I'm just there, and I'm like, how did you not hear that? I'm like, 
you didn't say that. And everyone in the room is like, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Where, where were you? Where were you? And then, you know, we just kind of dig a little bit deeper, dig a little bit deeper, dig a little bit deeper. And all of a sudden, you're just like, oh. And he's like, I, I think I was texting. I'm like, you were what? Like, I said, like, you don't text it. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I was just, you know, I was just taking care of some, some stuff. You know, my emails were kind of piling. I'm like, you were texting? I'm like, yeah. Or the person next to me, they had a question. They were trying to, you know, find the bathroom. I'm like, let them wait. They can hold it, right? Like, this was a great point. And it's just like, I don't know, I kind of got distracted or, you know, the coffee maker was out. So I'm like, okay, that, that you know, is, is fair. You can, you know, replenish the coffee because, you know, Christians without their coffee, they kind of go crazy. But, you know, in that moment, I just kind of realized this very simple principle that's going to be on the screen, which is very simply this. Just because something is spoken, it doesn't mean it is heard. Just because something is spoken, it doesn't mean it is heard. Just because something is spoken, it does not mean that it was heard. It's not just true of preachers, although maybe, but it's true in marriages. It's true in parenting. It's true in having parents. It's true in jobs. I mean, think about your marriage. I mean, how many times have you had a fight where it's like, I told you to do that. And it's like, no, you didn't. It's like, yes, I told you. It's like, no, I don't, I don't remember that at all. It's like, I, I remember this. We were there and the waiter came and then I said it and I was even, I'm like, oh yeah, I was, I was, you know, I just, I was kind of, I missed that. And it's just like, yeah, because something can be spoken doesn't mean that it was heard. Or with your kids. I mean, doesn't this happen? Or if you have parents, it's like, Mom, Dad, I told you. I needed that form today. It's like, you didn't tell us. Like, yeah, I told you. You know, when you were changing the diaper and the baby was crying, it's just like, you expect me to hear that? Then it's just like, no. But it's just like, yeah, but I told you. It's like, yeah, yeah, but just because you told me, it doesn't mean it registered or I was listening or I was busy or I was distracted. Or if you're a teacher and, you know, God bless your heart if you're a teacher. But I mean, this is probably the most depressing fact of life, right? Like you get to midterms or you get to the year-end exam, and you realize, like, they couldn't even get their name right. Like, how in the world have you spent hours and hours and hours communicating all these truths, and they get to their exam, and they get nothing right? It's because it's this very simple principle that you see all throughout your life, which is just because something's spoken, it doesn't mean that it's heard. And that's why so many arguments that you have with your family, and so many arguments with friends start with, why didn't you tell me, and you just don't listen? Has anyone ever been accused of, you don't listen? You don't have to put your hands up. I'm sure there's probably not in this church. My church, we're a little more messed up, but you know, like, like you don't listen. You don't listen. Why don't you listen? I'm sure, it, you know, maybe it comes up in your marriage every once in a while. Maybe your kids have accused you of that once, maybe once, maybe twice, right? Like, but like that idea of you don't listen, it comes up all the time, because just because something was spoken, it doesn't mean that it was heard, and the reason is because we got so much noise going on. There is so much noise in our life that we miss things. That we're busy. Our minds are scattered. I mean, you know this. You've had conversations with people where you're six inches away and you're talking and you're like, I don't think they're hearing a word that I'm saying. And you're just kind of like, hey, hey, it's, oh, sorry, I was, I was distracted. I'm really stressed out. I've got all these things going on at work or, you know, I'm just really worried about my kids. It's their first day today or, you know, all these things. It's that our minds are scattered. There's this noise going on that we can't even engage with someone right in front of us. Or maybe it's the literal noise of technology. You know, the TV's always on in your house. The radio's always on in the car. You always have a screen in front of you, and you're distracted. And you know this, right? This is why when you're trying to get your kids' attention, it's like, put the iPad down. It's like, no, I'm listening. I'm listening. It's like, no, put the iPad down. It's like, because you know, you know, you know that you have to get rid of this noise so that they can hear. Because just because you're speaking, it doesn't mean that it will be heard. And so all this noise gets in the way. There's too much noise. Just because something is spoken doesn't mean it's heard, but... Do not think that because it wasn't heard, that that means it wasn't spoken. Just because something is spoken, it doesn't mean that it is heard, but do not think that because it wasn't heard, that that means it wasn't spoken. So then I go back to the question of why doesn't God speak to me? And I, I just have this feeling, I just have this question that maybe that's the wrong question that we're asking. 
that maybe the question of why doesn't God speak to me actually needs to be changed or reorientated or recalibrated to this question. Maybe the question is not, is God speaking to me? But maybe the question is, is it possible that we're not listening? That we've already admitted that we kind of have this problem where we often don't hear what is spoken because we have so much noise in our world. And yet we so often say, well, God's not speaking to me. And maybe, maybe, maybe just because of this dilemma that maybe God is in fact speaking to us every single day, all throughout the day, but we are not listening because of all the noise that is in our life. And so today I want to suggest that maybe that's the change that we need to make in that, that question. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to journey and discover how exactly do we turn down the noise in our life and turn up the volume to hear God speak louder. And so today we're going to take a little bit of a quick journey through the scriptures, and we're going to look at the different ways in which God has spoken to his people in the past, and then we're going to discover how he speaks to us today, and then we're going to get really practical and we're going to talk about how do we then turn up the volume and turn down the noise in our life so we can actually hear God speak in our life, because if we're going to have any type of relationship with him, if we're going to get rooted more and more, or even just begin that conversation with him, we must be able to hear his voice. So the first thing that you discover when you open up the scriptures and you kind of scan through the scriptures and you hear God is speaking all the time, And the trend is not that God is not speaking. The trend is always that he's speaking. The trend is over and over and over again, people aren't listening or they do not listen. The trend is not that God is not speaking, but the trend is exactly what we're talking about, that often people hear God's voice and ignore it or do not hear it or do the opposite. And in fact, when you open up the scriptures, you discover right in the beginning, God speaks with Adam and Eve. He actually says he walked in the cool of the garden and actually engaged with them. And it sounds like it was an audible dialogue back and forth. He calls out to them and, hey, what's going on? And and what happened? And he just, he has this normal conversation with them. There are other times where God actually speaks through objects. He he speaks through a bush. Uh, He speaks through angels. He speaks through dreams. There's one time, only one time, but one time he's trying to get someone's attention so badly that he actually uses a donkey as his mouthpiece and kind of speaks. It's it's this crazy story. You have to read it. It's just, it's fascinating, but it's just, it kind of shows you that God is definitely speaking. He's always trying to engage his people and he's always finding new ways to engage them. The, The trend is not that he's not speaking. The trend is that people were not listening. And then as you continue to go through the scriptures, you discover, then he used prophets. He used people as his mouthpiece, and he would speak to them, and then they would share those messages with the people. And often, over and over again, it wasn't that God wasn't speaking, it that people weren't listening. People were ignoring. In fact, there's one prophet, people got so fed up with him, they just threw him in a well. They're just like, be quiet. And he's like, he's, he was speaking God's voice, and they're just like, we're done with you. And they threw him in a well. Like, like imagine that, right? Like, it's not our threat today, I'm going to throw you in a well. But back then, that was the thing. They're just like, we're just tired of hearing his voice. And then things changed even more drastically 2,000 years ago. Because then God wasn't using objects. He wasn't using people. He actually decided to come in flesh. And this is what us followers believe, followers of Jesus believe, that God actually took on flesh. He came incarnate. He, he became God in a bod in a lot of ways. And he uh, was Jesus. And so all of a sudden, you had this, these people who had wanted to hear from God, and now all of a sudden, he was walking in their midst. He was talking. And in fact, I talk to people all the time, and they're like, I'm not sure about organized religion. I'm not sure about God, but Jesus, I like. And in fact, maybe you're here today. Maybe you brought your kids to the kids program because you're like, I'm, I'm not really all that religious, but I really like Jesus. I liked what he had to say, and I, you know, I think my kids could use those values. In fact, you've probably used some of his quotes and some of his principles uh, in raising your kids because it was just so valuable. And yet, I always, I always wrestle with that thing when people are like, yeah, you know, Jesus is cool. I'm not sure about God. And I'm like, Jesus, was God. I'm like, you can't like Jesus and not like God because Jesus was God. And in fact, if you love him, it's, it's, it's a sign that you would actually really enjoy a relationship with God because Jesus was God in a bod. So then all of a sudden, so, so for then three years, Jesus actually walks. And if you pick up the scriptures and if you've never read them before, grab them and start reading. I, I suggest the book of John. And you just kind of get this, this bird's eye view of the life 
of Jesus. And it's incredible. And he interacts with people for, for three years, or for, for, for many years, but for three years is like his, his recorded public life. And it's incredible. And he does all these incredible things that we just wish that our spouse would be more and more like, right? And in fact, when we hear those lessons, we're like, oh, I just you know, need to play that message back. And I'm sad they were away because they really, you know, my parents and my in-laws need to hear about how Jesus taught and the way he acted and on and on and on. But he was just incredible. And he dialogued with people, and he was the voice of God to the people, and it was incredible. And then there came a point, there came a point where he brought his disciples together, and he's like, guys, there's going to come a time when I'm going to leave. And all of a sudden, they're like, why would you leave? Like, they can't get their minds around this. Like, please don't leave, please don't leave, please don't leave. Like, we have, it has never been better. Like, we love having God in the flesh, God incarnate with us. We could not imagine you leaving us. But he's like, I'm leaving, but don't worry. Something better is coming. The game is changing again. I mean, it was a big change when God took on the flesh and he was among people. He's like, the game is going to change again. And he explains it to them. And we kind of pick up uh, a glimpse of that in the book of Luke, chapter 14. So we kind of get to sneak in and hear their conversation. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. If you've been doing your rooted study, you know the word advocate was a guide, a helper, a shepherd. He's like, I'm going to give you someone just like me, but he actually says it's going to be better to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then he continues. He said, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He said, the game is changing, guys. He's like, God took on a body now and was with a few of you. But now God is going to come and live inside of you. Every single one of you, you won't have to wait in a crowd. You won't have to wait in line. You won't hope that I walk by your neighborhood and happen to show up at your wedding and turn water into wine. You don't have to worry about that because now I will be in you. I will be in you. That all of a sudden the game is going to change and I am going to be in you. And it sounds strange. Sounds kind of strange to say that God's spirit is going to live in you and that uh, for those followers of Jesus who are actually willing to invite him in, that he would be in them. But he continues on. He says in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, because you're like, how would this work? What would this look like? Will this be this kind of voice from within me that kind of freaked me out? It's like, whoa, hey, hey, didn't know you were there, right? Like, like what's that going to actually practically look like? Because as Christians, you're like, oh, God's spirit is in me. You tell that to somebody who's not a church person and they're just freaked out. They're just like, what? Like, do you think you're God? Like, what is, how does that work? It just it doesn't have any, there's no category for them to put that in. But it's like, so what does that look like? And he says, but the advocate, the helper, guide, uh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It'll be like a prompting in your life. It'll be this still, small voice. It may not be this booming, audible voice, but it'll almost be a part of you, and it'll be like your conscience that all of a sudden, in these moments, things will be coming back to your memory. Words that you heard years ago, maybe in Sunday school, words that your pastor preached years ago, Vijay's voice may pop back up, and that is how God's Spirit works, that it simply reminds and teaches you what God is doing in the world and makes you aware of a spiritual reality that you don't normally see. That's what happens when God's Spirit is in you. It's these little nudges, it's these little pokes, these little, <clears throat> are you sure? don't you remember? All of a sudden he teaches and he reminds. That's what it means to have God's spirit in us. It's not that it controls us and that we have no choice, but that all of a sudden it's this prompting, it's this leading, it's this guiding, because you have to remember that even though Jesus came in the flesh, he never forced anyone to do anything. And even when we invite Jesus into our life, he will never force us to do anything. It's still this uh, engagement and relationship with our creator that we have. And 
So the question that people always ask me is, okay, okay, so I became a Christian, and I remember I, you know, I came to the front, and I prayed this prayer, and I, you know, I turned from my old life, or I repented, or I did a 180, and, you know, I've kind of turned from that, and I even said, God, you know, come and live in my life, and yet, Mark, I'm not sure I hear God's voice. I'm not sure I hear those promptings. I'm not sure I see those things being brought back to memory. I'm not sure I see God's spirit inside of me teaching me, leading me, guiding me. Like, I'm not sure that I'm getting that. So can you help me understand how this works a little bit more? And the big thing I think we need to remember is this principle that just because something's being spoken doesn't mean that we're listening, that maybe his spirit is prompting us, maybe he is reminding us, maybe he is teaching us, maybe he's clearing his throat, nudging us every once in a while, but we are missing it because of all the noise in our life. And so one of the things that you discover when you open up the scriptures is that one of the number one tools that the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us is God's word, is the scriptures, to which often people say, wait, 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 wait. I want God to speak to me now. I don't want this book that was written over a few thousand years, thousands of years ago. I don't want this. I want God to tell me now what's going on because that doesn't deal with my job situation. That doesn't tell me if I should take the promotion. That doesn't tell me if I should go to this university or that university. So how in the world is that going to clarify it? And I want you to understand that when God's words are put on paper, it's very different than when you and I put things on paper because they're God's words. And the thing that you discover right in the first chapter of the scriptures is that God's words are different from ours. Ours communicate information. God's words have power behind them. That's why when the world was created, God doesn't come down and start working and start crafting mountains. It says he spoke and the world came into existence. That God's words are nothing like our words. They have a power behind them that we never could have behind our words. And therefore, in fact, what we're going to discover is that his words actually have power behind them. The book of Hebrews chapter 4, and this is the verse that we just uh, took some time to reflect on before the message. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. Our words are not alive and active. His words are alive and active. They have power behind them. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. He's like, God's words are so powerful. They're not just communication. What they do is they actually cut you open and show you what life is like actually on the inside. You know what this looks like practically? You ever had that moment when the preacher's preaching and you just have this, this thing and you turn to your spouse and you're like, is he talking to us? Or is she talking to us? You ever had that moment? I mean, it happens to me all the time. People come in and they're like, it's like, were you talking to me? Vijay was telling me this week. He's like, people, you know, I have this experience all the time where people are like, were you talking to me? And we kind of chuckle as preachers because like, like, do they think that we like hide in the lobby when people are coming into church and like, that person's here today, that person's here today. And then, you know, during the first set of worship, we just kind of write the sermon and they're just like, okay, and this is how it'll address this person and this is how it'll address this person. No, not at all. The reason why there's so many times where you hear God's word preach or you even open up the scriptures and you feel like it's speaking to you is because God's word is alive and active. It actually cuts to your soul and it actually exposes what's really going on on the inside. It shows you the reality that you may not even be aware of. But that's the power. That's what it means for his words to be alive and active. And so even though they're written thousands of years ago, when you open up the scripture, you allow and fuel the spirit of God to speak into your life and to cut you open and to show you what's really going on, show you the reality of what's going on inside and to direct you into the direction that you should go. So if you want to hear God speak, the number one thing you need to be doing all the time is you need to be taking time to engage the scriptures as often as possible. You need to be opening up the scriptures on your own, reading the actual book. Maybe you like audio audiobooks. You can listen to it. In fact, often people are like, no, you have to read it. You can't listen to it. I'm like, you realize for thousands of years, Christians didn't even know how to read. All they could do was have other people who could read, read it to them. So if, if reading's not your thing and that's really a struggle for you, that's okay. Just sit, go somewhere quiet, and actually just, just hear the words read to you. 
Every opportunity that you have, show up here at Upper Room and listen to the word being taught because what you're doing is you're allowing the fuel to be thrown in the spirit in your heart and you're, you're allowing him to speak a little bit louder. Read it as often, listen as often, and, and sit under teaching of it as often as you can. That's how you fuel and turn up the volume of God in your life. Now, the number one thing that comes to people's minds is like, yeah, but I tried it. I don't get it. It was kind of boring. I was kind of lost. And, you know, everyone else at community group, everyone else at home group was like, oh, I was reading it this week, and it was, it was so exciting. And you're just like, I read this book, and I get lost. And I can't, uh, that's probably like the number one thing I hear about the scriptures is like, I was lost, I was confused, and I just didn't get it. Can I just, can I just, can I just pause you for a second and say, that's a good thing. And you're like, wait, wait, the pastor said it's a good thing that I'm lost in the scriptures. Yes, that's a fantastic thing. It's like, how is that fantastic? Here's why. Because this is God's word. It's so incredibly huge. Listen, when you turn on a new show and you start in season three, episode four, you start watching and you're a little bit confused. What do you do? You don't turn it off and like, oh, I was confused. I didn't get it. I understand why this guy was the president and that and this was confused. It's like, no, what do you do? You immerse yourself more into it. The fact that you're confused just means you don't get it. You start in the middle of the Star Wars trilogy and you're in the theater and it's like, I am your father. You're not, and everyone's like, oh, and you're like, I don't get it. They don't look the same. How could it be his father? It's just like, what do you do? You don't just like, well, I'm done with this Star Wars thing. Drop the mic and walk out. No, you're like, okay, can you explain this to me? And they're like, oh my gosh, okay, you have to see the first few videos and you have to understand it. You have to see the whole picture. And all of a sudden you start to get it. That The reason that you don't get it is not a reason to get out of it. You get into it more. When you don't understand the scriptures, you immerse yourself more in it. You surround yourself with people who get it. You go to a home group and you just say, guys, here are all the things that I'm lost and I'm confused about and I don't get it. And you engage with other people and you just start to, to wrestle with it and try and understand it more. Of course, you may not get it on your first try. You may not get it on your 10th try, but you just keep going. And in fact, one of the things that I, I tell my congregation all the time to do is, you know, some days you just you open up the passage, you read it, you don't understand a thing. Here's a cool prayer you can throw up at the end. Wow, God, that was so complex. I didn't even get it. And that's how big you are. Thanks. Close it, move on, and wait for the next day. Another thing you can do is you can just, as we said last time I was here, just highlight, circle, underline the things you don't get, talk to people around you, look it up, Ask Pastor VJ. He loves that. Just send him all your questions through email or text. That would be fantastic. I'm sure he would love that too. But every time you open up the scriptures, every time you listen to the scriptures, every time you listen to the teaching of the scriptures, you are opening yourself up to hear God's voice. You are fueling the spirit of God in your life. Second temptation, for those of you who maybe have read the scriptures before, and you know, you know a lot of the stories and you've heard a lot of the lessons, your temptation is to open up the Bible, open up to your reading plan, and kind of look at it and be like... I know the story already, right? Like there's no more mystery to you. You don't come up to the story and it's like, there's 5,000 people and only five loaves and two fish. And you're not like in the beginning of the story thinking, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna make a tuna sandwich and try and split it 5,000 ways? Like, like that mystery, that excitement is gone. You know the answer. You know, VJ comes up here some days and I'm sure he's like, today we're gonna preach on this. And you're like, I already heard a sermon on that. I've already read that story. And you've lost the excitement and you kind of skim, you rush through, you check your text through that message because you've lost this excitement, this reality that the scriptures are alive and active. And just because you've read them once, just because you've read them 10 times, it doesn't mean that God still can't speak to you through the exact same words, through the exact same passage, because remember, his words are alive and active. Every time you engage with the scriptures, you allow the spirit of God to speak louder into your life. So you have to turn up the volume. Now, you keep turning up the volume, but here's something that you know from practical experience in life. Turning up the volume doesn't mean that you're going to hear. You tried this with your kids, right? It's like, what? You talk louder. What? Doesn't matter. You have to turn off the iPad. You have to turn off the TV. You have to take them somewhere where they can't be distracted because talking louder doesn't mean that you're going to hear. You actually need to silence all the other noise in your life. 
One of my favorite quotes is by a guy named Morrison, Morton Kelsey, really smart guy. I guess with a name like Morton Kelsey, you have to be smart. You can't really do anything else with a name like that. So Morton Kelsey had this amazing line. He said, the most potentially destructive issue of spiritual growth, getting rooted, getting in a relationship with God, is not alcohol nor sexual immorality or drugs. It is people who are efficiently busy. Listen, often we think we're in crisis mode. It's like, listen, my marriage is in crisis. My husband's cheating. You know, my husband's on drugs. My wife's doing this. It's like these big issues. I'm like, do you know what destroys marriages the most? It's just busyness, not connecting, not spending time eyeball to eyeball, connecting, talking, having a relationship, having an engaging conversation. That'll destroy a marriage just as quickly as all those other things that we fear so much. And yet busyness, busyness can ruin a relationship just as quickly as all those other things. The thing that will get in the way of you hearing God's voice is busyness. The thing that will get in the way of you hearing God's voice is all the noise of all the other things that you are doing. So I want to ask you today, you say you want to hear God's voice, but are you willing to cut certain things out to actually hear from him? You know, in in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it talks about how Jesus heard God's voice. And it says, often Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And we kind of see that and like, wow, he was so spiritual. You know, he went somewhere quiet and did his devotions and that's really great. But we don't pause and think about this because I know you're incredibly busy and you have like 10 kids and you have, you know, all these sports events to take them to and all these things that are going on in your life. Do you realize how busy Jesus was? Listen, he was far more busy than you and I would ever be because he could do miracles. I mean, imagine a world where there was no Netflix, no iPods, no any way to entertain yourself. And there's this guy walking around who can turn water into wine, who can bring the dead back to life and do all these amazing things. He is the number one source of entertainment in the community. And he's walking around. I mean, everywhere you go, you can hide. It's just like, he's in the bathroom. I'm next in line, right? He's going to touch me next. Like, he was the busiest guy. He was in the most in demand. And there were times you actually open up the scriptures and he's, he's healing people. And all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'm out. And his disciples are like, where are you going? Look at these crowds. This is amazing. And it's like all these things that you can do. And he's like, yeah, well, it's not where my father's leading me today. The reason that he was able to do that is because he took time to get to a lonely place and to be with God. So many of us, don't have a lonely place. We don't have a place where we can get quiet, where we can turn off the world. Some of you stay-at-home parents, it's chaos. There's always a kid crying. There's always something on. There's a device going off. There's something broken. There's a fire to be put out here. And for some of you, I mean, the reality is, is in order to change your pace, you need to change your place. That you actually need to pause. I remember my wife, we had a newborn. We still kind of have a newborn, but when it was really newborn, like there was, he was just attached to her all the time. And and so what we had to do is we just realized she's never going to be able to spend time quiet with God if this is a situation. So we had to change some things in our life. We had to take some things out of our busy schedule. One of the things I had to do is I had to go to work even earlier. I usually go to work and spend some time praying and reading the scriptures before. I would go even earlier so that I could do that. And then what I'd do is I would come home. We, we have the gift of I, I don't work too far from home. And then I, I would take the baby and she would just go out for a run and just listen to the scriptures being played. For her, she's just like, Mark, even if he's sleeping, he's like, there's just, everywhere I look, there's a to-do list, and I just can't stop my pace if I'm in this place. And so for her to change her pace, she needed to change her place. And so some of you, you're married, you have lots of kids, it's chaos at home. I want you to tag team and just be like, listen, we can do nothing if we don't hear God's voice, if we don't stop, if we don't find those lonely places and just be quiet. So right now, I'm going to hold the fort down and you go out. And you just listen to God's voice. You just be still. We have to fight for those moments. You guys have CBRs, which is awesome. You have uh, the Rooted series, which is awesome. Take those times. Don't just rush through them while things are flying all around you in the house. Actually take time and engage and fight for those moments to be alone.
maybe the best way to summarize what we need to do is we need to turn down the noise so that we can hear God speak. We need to turn down the noise so that we can hear God speak. But now we may get to that point, and there's one last question I have to ask you, and the question is this. Are you ready for God to speak to you in your life? Are you ready for God to speak to you in your life? It's one thing to say, I really want God to speak to me. I wish he would speak to me. But do you ever just pause and think, do I really, do I really, do I really want the creator of the universe? Do I really want that guy who I read about in the Gospels, that guy who is so amazing, to actually talk to me, the guy whose words can penetrate my soul, and the guy who seems to interact with people and know exactly what's going on in their life? I mean, there are times people went to Jesus, and they're like, hey, I have this question. And he's like, oh, that's great. Um, you actually got everything backwards. And everything that you've done that you think is good, it's actually just selfish ambition, and you know, you got it all wrong. So start again. Back to the beginning, right? It's just like, do you actually want the creator of the universe to speak to you? Because I got to be honest, like when I read the story of the rich young ruler, I just kind of, I just picture this crowd of people who were trying to talk to Jesus and this guy goes and then Jesus kind of answers him in a way he didn't expect. And I just kind of picture everyone going, do you want to go next? I, I, I'm not sure I want to talk to him right yet. I got to maybe figure out if I'm asking the right question. And I just think like, are we ready for God to speak to us? Because he may say things we don't expect. I mean, we may have a conversation. I mean, just imagine if you could have God here, you know, you're just chatting with Jesus. And it's just like, hey, I've been, I've been dying to ask you this question. You know, should I go to this school or that school, this job, that job, marry this guy or that guy? Like, you have options. That's fantastic, right? Like, like which one? And I imagine, I'm not saying this is what he'd say, but imagine if he was just like, you know what? Both are good. Just, just pick one. It's like, what? Like, just pick one. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. And then you're just kind of leaving. It's just like, whoa, whoa, where are you going? I'm like, uh, I got my answer. It's like, oh, yeah, but I... I wanted to speak to you about some other things. So, oh no, that was all I had. I'm like, that's your list, but I want to speak to you about a few other things. I want to talk to you about your marriage. I want to talk to you about how you treat your wife. Oh, I want to talk to you about the way you treat your kids, or I want to talk to you about the way that you speak to your parents. Oh, that all of a sudden when we engage with the creator of the universe, that he's going to have some amazing things to say, but he's also going to have some truth to speak. Because the reality is when you love somebody so much, you don't keep quiet, but you speak truth into their life. You know that. You know that. You know that. So for us to want to say we want to hear God's voice, there's something that we need to do before we do that and prepare. We actually have to ask ourselves, what will we do if we do hear his voice? Because here's one of the amazing things you discover when you look at the narrative of Scripture. All throughout Scripture, people hear God's voice and do one of two things. They humble themselves and listen, or they harden their hearts. They humble themselves and listen, or they harden their hearts. And we need to decide, which one will we do? Because God may speak to us. We could go through all these steps and then he may speak and we'd be like, eh, I don't know. It happened to me this week. I was just, I was preparing for this message. I just kind of took some time and I'm like, God, I want to hear from you. And in that moment, he just brought something in mind and he's like, this is not right. And this needs to be stopped. And this needs to be dealt with. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that at all. And I had to deal with it this week. It was uncomfortable. It was hard, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And so are we ready? to hear God speak. Will we turn down the noise in order to hear him speak in our lives? Let me pray for you for that posture in your heart and mind as we get ready to engage with God some more through worship. Heavenly Father, thank you as Tony said and as he opened this uh, gathering with that you are actually speaking to us all throughout this day through the words on the screen and the songs to the scriptures that we read in your word. Father, I want to pray that you would humble our hearts because the reality is, is so often I think we hear your voice and we do the opposite. We hear your voice and we don't want to argue with it. 
and yet you are the creator of the universe. You are God of all. You love us more than anyone else, and you would never speak something that was not loving and helpful to us. So Lord, would you open our hearts? Would you reorientate our lives to be open to hear whatever you have to say and then to obey? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.